Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson today comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 10th chapter, verses 24 through 39. Hear with me now the reading of God's holy word. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more are the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing to conceal that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who will destroy both soul and body in hell. And do not, and are not two sparrows sold for a penny, Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And are not the very hairs of your head all numbered? So do not be afraid. You are more worthy than that of the sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown them before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. One's enemies will be members of his household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose his life, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? O Lord, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, Let us take it deep in our hearts and let us ponder these words and how they might be lived out in our lives. So that coming away from this hour of worship that we would be transformed not just into hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. I like a good cliche. Clichés sort of intrigue me. I mean, you know, clichés are that idiomatic way of speech that tries to explain some aspect of life. For example, the cliché, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, we might use that to explain how our children are much like their parents, where maybe they've adopted some of the mannerisms or an organizational technique or a temperament or a personality type. We may describe it in the business world, sort of describing that mentor-protege relationship where the mentor has imparted soft skills and sort of a rounding out, a finishing, if you will, of the technical learning that the employee has gained 
in school. Or where their leadership style of the mentor begins to influence that of the protege so that as time goes on, the protege is almost a carbon copy carrying that knowledge, that style, that trait on to a new generation of workers and employees. What we hope to see that is in the fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ because we see that they are the apple that hasn't fallen far from the tree because their lives have been forged in the crucible of faith and discipleship. Two weeks ago, I preached about Jesus sending the 12 out into the world as multipliers of God's message of love and grace and how we are 21st century disciples, 21st century multipliers of God's grace and love to a world that so desperately needs to hear, see, and know that God desperately loves it. So today in our text, Jesus gives sort of a commencement speech, if you will, almost like you can imagine at graduation or before a great army goes off to battle or even explores embark upon a great journey of adventure. He gives this speech to the 12 and parenthetically to you and to me about how we are to live our lives, about how we are to go about our journey of discipleship as we are those multipliers that they are to go forth and to emulate God, to mirror their teacher, that they are to not have fear, and that they are to be bold for the sake of the gospel. And so as we, 21st century disciples, as we are called to be multipliers, we too be wise to hear that advice and to see this as sort of our commencement speech, our sending forth into the world in mission and ministry to take this advice and incorporate it in our daily life, our practice of the faith, our own discipleship. They say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. If you've ever had a younger sibling that annoys you and irritates you by constantly parroting and repeating what you do and all your mannerisms over and over again, you might not think that's the case. Or maybe if you show up to the office and you find out that there are employees that look up to you, that they begin to copy you in style and dress and function and maybe even your speech, that you might find that a little off-putting. But then there are times that imitation truly is called for. There are times where imitation is welcome. In verse 24 and 25, Jesus talking to the 12, he tells them that they are not greater than their teacher, not greater than their master, but that it is enough for them, enough for them to be like their teacher. And I think that's the message for us. It is enough for us, for you and me to be just like the master teacher, Jesus himself. We should never presume that we are on equal footing or that we are greater than Jesus, but that there is something to be said if we emulate Christ if we emulate his mannerisms, his actions, his temperament, his teachings, his living in our lives. The 15th century German-Dutch Archbishop Thomas Akempis, he wrote a book entitled The Imitation of Christ. And in reading that this week, there were two sentences that popped off the page that jumped right out at me. The first one is that if we seek Christ in all the things that you do, you will truly find him. 
If you seek Christ in all the things that you do, you will truly find him. And the second one was this, is that the, at the day of judgment, we will not be asked what we read, but what we have done. At the day of judgment, we will not be asked what we have read, but what we have done. See, Christ's ministry has been built upon seeking God in all that he can do, in everything all around him, and in doing. Think about what Christ did in healing and teaching and respecting and changing people's lives. It was all about seeking God in the world around him and helping folks see that, but also about doing the work of the kingdom. And so must our ministry as disciples be the same. We must seek Christ, seek God's will, God's direction, God's spirit in everything that we do, in the things that we read, in our conversations, in our business dealings, in our political engagement, in our daily life. We must realize that there are lessons that we must learn and then that there are lessons that we must teach. But it's not enough to just seek Christ. We must do the ministry of Christ. See, the Christian life is not passive. It's not book learning. It's not just sitting there and reading and writing and just focusing on things. It's actually rolling up our sleeves, getting our hands into the dirt of life. It's active. It's blood, sweat, and tears. It's being hearers of the word, yes, but more importantly, it's about being doers of the word. It's about going out in the world and changing the world by our actions by our words, by our deeds. See, we are called an active faith with no excuses to roll up our hands, our sleeves, I mean, and to stick our hands in the messiness of life and to sort things out and to do God's work. Have you ever been frightened to death? Have you ever been frightened to death? If you think about what I just described, that might scare you. Have you ever been frightened to death? I think about 25 years ago, I was freshly out of Duke Divinity School with a newly minted Master of Divinity degree. I moved into my first office the four and a half tons of the minister's starter set out of the SS U-Haul, and I'd spread it out all over my office and lined my shelves with all these books and scholarly articles and papers, and I stood behind my first big boy desk in my first big boy office, and I surveyed all of my kingdom, a pencil sharpener, a telephone, a stack of while you were out pads, oh, and don't forget the HVAC controls. All of that was in my kingdom, and as I stood there and surveyed it all, I had that moment of sheer satisfaction, and it gave way quickly Soon fear washed all over me and I started to panic a little bit. I thought, any minute now, they're going to realize that I'm a fraud, that I'm a canard, that I am just a 25-year-old kid playing minister. Any moment now, they're going to realize that. And it's that kind of fear coupled with the fear of failure that sometimes prevents us from stepping out of our comfort zone stepping out of it to acting like Christ, to living our discipleship. See, Jesus understood that fear. He must have recognized it in the disciples because they had watched him already in his ministry be shunned by others and talked down to by others. 
And so what he does is he sends them out into the world. He encourages them. He encourages them to go forth with a message of love. He says, what you hear from me, he said, shout it from the rooftop so that all the world may hear it. So there was no clandestine part of Jesus' ministry. No, I'm going to tell you what to do and you subterfuge it. No, go to the top as Go to the highest peak, go to the rooftops, shout the message of God's love for all to hear. He said, there are going to be people that speak against you, but God is your protector. God watches over you. God knows every hair on your head. And we've talked a lot about hair during the pandemic. When are we going to get it cut? And we, some of us have found out exactly how much hair we have because we've let it grow out. We found out that it's got colors that we didn't know existed. Well, because we let it grow out. But what God's talking about with this idea of hair is not that we've got it, but that God counts it. If God knows all the hairs on our heads, then surely God knows where you and I are all the time. God knows what predicaments we find ourselves in. God knows when the level of fear rises in our hearts and God says, I'm right here with you. I'm walking right beside you. I'm here to comfort you. I'm watching over you. And so we as the Easter people, people who celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we've got to realize if God gave his only son for us, if God gave his only son for us, that we are precious in his sight. All the children all over the world are precious in God's sight. And so therefore we must be willing to step out without fear. Because we know that God is with us every step of the way. And so we live our discipleship because God is walking right beside us every step of the way. Just a few nights ago, Thursday night, I spent some time sort of in a very bizarre place. I was in the Zoom room of annual conference. Well, it wasn't an annual conference. It was the business session of the annual conference. And as I was in the Zoom room with 1,100 others of my clergy colleagues all across Western North Carolina taking care of the business of the annual conference for the clergy portion of what we do, this phrase came to mind, brave as a lion. See, brave as a lion because as we sat there in part of our business, we voted on clergy who were answering their call to ministry we voted on clergy, approving them as candidates for provisional and full connection membership. We voted to approve leaves of absence. We remembered the clergy who had died in the past year, who had left the church militant to join the church triumphant in that great cloud of witnesses. And we even voted to approve the retirement of those who want to retire this year. It's an odd piece of business, if you will, to say that we give you permission to retire, but that's an action of the annual conference. It's part of our covenant together. But as we took those votes, I had the list of those who had passed away, those who were retiring, those who had passed away in years past, those who had retired in years past. And on those lists, I find the names of some of my mentors, those that have inspired me, those who have fought the good fight, who fought the who'd fought for the faith. Some of them are still inspiring me, still influencing me, sending me kind emails throughout the week right here in our midst. You see, these men and women, they are the lions of the annual conference. They are the lions of my life. They were willing to do 
the dangerous and to show no fear. They preached love and unity. They integrated the annual conference. They preached about the acceptance of all of God's children all across the world. They sought justice. They sought God's will. These are men and women that spoke only on the floor of annual conference when it was necessary. They didn't speak to hear them serve voices. There are enough people that do that. But no, these lions, they only roared when we needed to be reminded to change and to grow, to improve the conference for the sake of God's kingdom. And I only hope that as they pass the mantle to me and to my generation that we will pick it up and that we too might one day be called lions of the annual conference for a new generation of clergy. But as I think about these lions, I realize that Jesus told his disciples to be bold enough to take up their cross, to be fully devoted to the message and to the ministry about bold words, about bold living, to make bold change in the world around them. And my brothers and sisters, we've inherited that message. That we must do the same with our discipleship. We must be bold. As followers of Christ, we must be bold in our actions and bold in our practice of faith. We must speak the truth in love, but nevertheless speak the truth so that all the world may hear it. We must acknowledge our own shortcomings, but then we double down on them and on our own willingness to change for the sake of changing the kingdom. We must commit our lives to the mission and ministry of the church first and foremost. We must be bold about that, committing our lives to the mission and ministry of the church first and everything else second, because that's who God calls us to be. So we can approach the problems of the world much in the same way of that old parable, the one about fishing. You know, if you give a man a fish, he eats for the day. You teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. If you help him build a pond, he can give fish and teach others to fish. See, my brothers and sisters, we are going to always need to give. We're going to always need to give fish to men and women of the world so that they may eat today. That's called relief ministries. But to make a real change in our world, we're going to have to teach and to build. We're going to have to teach the men and women, our brothers and sisters of the world, so that they may survive and that they may grow and therefore also teach and give and build as well. See, that's the boldness that God is calling our church to do. That's the boldness that God is calling you and me to be a part of. Is not just to give, but to teach and to build in the world around us. Because it's when we do that, we're truly answering the call to be the greatest hope, God's greatest hope for the world around us. So over the last three and a half months during sort of the pandemic environment, we have reached deep to discover who we are and what we're about. We've reached deep to realize what matters most in our lives and sort of cleared away the clutter like cleaning out a closet. But let me tell you what the pandemic did not do. It did not change our mission as a church. It did not change our dreams and visions. Instead, it helped us focus on them and clarify them that much more. And so we are called and sent as disciples to emulate the risen Christ, 
to step forward boldly without fear and to go where God sends us to. So as we emerge from the shadow of this virus over the next few months, may we take the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to see, the opportunity to make change, to give, to teach, and to build. Because when we do that, when we emulate Christ, when we walk without fear, when we live boldly in our discipleship, then the world may look at us and say the apple of our lives doesn't fall far from the tree of Calvary, doesn't fall far from the risen Christ, our Lord and Savior. That the people called Centenary United Methodist Church, the people called Children of God truly are that. Imitating Christ without fear, boldly serving the risen Lord for the sake of the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.